0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by the Living Lies Blog, GTC Honors, LendingLies.com, and the Garfield Firm, servicing all 50 states and 24 countries with news and analysis about the largest economic crime in human history. This program is for general information only and should not be used as a substitute for legal advice or consultation with a licensed professional. This show is not intended as a solicitation for the engagement of any services. And now, presenting world-renowned author, trial lawyer, CLE lecturer, and court-approved expert witness on securitization of debt, Neil Garfield. Good
1: evening, or good afternoon, or good day. Depending upon where you are, hi, this is Neil Garfield, and I want to shout out good day to our Australian friends who are picking up on this program and the blog, and the greatest economic crime in history. This is April 30th, 2020, Thursday. Tonight, we're going to talk about what to do with your mortgage or car payment during the pandemic crisis. We have no precedent in our lifetimes for this type of event, and anyone who says that they know how it'll pan out is simply delusional. We can only guess about even the intermediate future, but we do know some things that are happening now, and that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. If you did one of the deals that ended up being claimed as part of a securitization scheme, you still owe the money. There's a caveat to that. Only if you continue to believe it's a loan. I have my doubts about that. And there's also the possibility that you still owe the money, even if the money you received was an incentive payment and not part of a loan transaction. Why? Because you agreed to make a payment uh, albeit to a party who had nothing to do with the transaction except as a broker. But in that case, even if it was an incentive payment, the other players might now owe you money that will offset part or all of the obligation that you signed up for. I know it's very hard to understand. I've been doing this 14 years, educating lawyers, legislators, law enforcement, and homeowners and uh, uh, forensic examiners, etc. And basically, only those who serve time on Wall Street like I did actually understand what I'm talking about. So we end up focusing on the simple elements that are necessary for collection or enforcement of the obligation, regardless of whether it truly exists or not. High-level litigators across the country are starting to discuss claims that are going to be made by investors who purchase certificates from investment bankers who are offering higher than normal rates for lower than normal performance on what is now normal fraudulent sales of financial products to consumers. That process, fraudulent sales of financial products to consumers has been institutionalized and recognized uh, in some cases by statute and other cases by case law as being institutionalized. These products that are called loans but don't behave like normal loans. Normal loans are based on realistic appraisals that actually protect a lender who is actually funding the loan. Normal loans are based upon realistic assessment of whether the loan will be paid back. Normal loans are a bet by the lender that the loan will perform. None of these things are true in transactions with homeowners or car owners. In fact, the worst of the practices of the mortgage meltdown are now being revealed in transactions with car buyers. Think about that for a second, by the way, if you're noticing the commercials. How could anybody be making money if it was a regular loan if they're charging no interest for seven years and telling you you don't have to make a payment for four months. It's because of the sale and resale of data and the elimination of a creditor from the chain because nobody has any liability for lending violations and nobody has to take a write down of a loan that fails. In normal loans, payments from borrowers are paid to the party who either loan the money or paid for the obligation in the secondary market. Not so in transactions that are labeled as securitized loans. They're neither securities nor, I think, can they be called loans since there's nobody at the end of the whole transaction who is willing to say they own the obligation because there's nobody who is carrying an asset receivable on their book saying you owe them and your obligation is their asset. By the way, that's why they never say they purchased or funded the loan and why for the last 20 years they stopped saying the most important thing that any claimant would say if they wanted to bring a dispute to court, which is I was injured by what the defendant did or didn't do. All they talk about is that you agreed to a duty to make a payment. They stay very far from the issue of who you owe that money to. In both cases, mortgages and car loans, the appraisal of the collateral is intentionally inflated to create the illusion of adequate collateral, which is opposite to the reality. In both cases, the consumer is reasonably relying upon the duty imposed by statute to provide a realistic appraisal. That duty, by the way, is incorporated into the contract, whether it's written or not. The purchase decision of the consumer is in large part dependent upon the lender's realistic assessment of value and of the loan performance. It's because the lender the perceived blender uh, seems to be saying i think this will work that most consumers say okay then i'll do it it'll work. you know more than i do it'll work so sellers of real property and cars love the fact that the brokers who sell these financial products want the price to be as high as possible regardless of the value The higher the amount of the transaction, the more they get paid. The higher the amount of the transaction, the more the seller of the land or the house or the car or the truck, the more they get paid. It's great for everybody except the consumer. In both both cases, there's no assessment as to whether the consumer will pay the money because the seller of the financial product, the financial transaction, or whatever you want to call it, the seller is the broker receiving a fee, and therefore the seller, who you think is the lender, doesn't care whether the payments are made or not. They just want their fee. In both cases, the bet made by the party that is responsible for the sale of the transaction read that as investment banker the bet is not that the so-called loan or transaction will perform but rather that it won't that gets into very complicated territory because they are not directly betting that your specific loan will fail they're betting that the data from your loan, when combined with data from other loans, will produce a result from a computation called an algorithm that, comp- that co- uh, uh, computes whether or not a financial event has occurred. Then insurers and hedge contracts pay as though your loan failed, even if it didn't and it's paid to the broker, not anyone who paid money in exchange for ownership or conveyance of your obligation. Moratoriums temporarily prevent enforcement of foreclosures, but most do not prevent repossessions of cars. And contrary to the popular belief, they are not orders to stop collecting payments, nor are they orders commanding debt collectors to issue forbearance agreements or forgiveness on missed payments. You have to apply for forbearance and don't expect forgiveness because you're not going to get it. They're not going to forgive the payments. The period of moratorium is different since the orders, uh, is different from place to place, since the orders never came from any federal officer or the president so it is up to each state and the governor of each state to make their own rules. You can argue that we need a comprehensive set of rules that are uniformly applied, but we don't have them. And I see nothing on the horizon that indicates we'll ever get them, at least in time, to make a difference during this crisis. As soon as the moratorium period is over, there are going to be hundreds of thousands of foreclosures. We're talking probably within weeks from now. Hundreds of thousands of foreclosures that will start uh, in weeks from now, and uh, they won't all be filed at once, obviously. It'll be over a period of many months. And many, many car repossessions, because there's an extra 30 million Americans that are out of work. Many of them are not receiving unemployment benefits and many who are getting unemployment benefits are threatened with a holdback of funds or cancellation of their benefits if their governor orders businesses open, even if it is perceived as unsafe to do so. It's a case of your money or your life, which is what muggers say at the point of a gun. Whether the employee actually goes back to work taking the risk to health, to their own health and their own life and the health and lives of their family, or if the employee refuses to expose themselves to the risk, they stand a risk of losing their unemployment benefits. In the meanwhile, debt collectors are still demanding the money and the moratoriums at best, only stop them from filing foreclosure actions. While there's some evidence that car repossessions are temporarily down, it seems that is only a voluntary thing. I'm broadcasting live from devout county, Florida. Like everybody else, we're experiencing lower levels of donations. We ask you to donate whatever you think our work is worth to you and to others by going to the homepage of the Living Lies blog and hitting the donate button. So what do you do if you're a consumer and you've been dealing with some company that claims to have the right to collect money from you because you received what they say is a loan and what you always thought was a loan? I refer you to other programs and articles where I spell that out in more detail than what I've done here. But in brief, the transaction to me looks more like a royalty payment in exchange for your permission for them to sell your personal information. And it is the purchase of your signature on documents that make you the issuer of those documents, the note, the mortgage, etc. And the data on those documents is a subject of countless sales of personal data. Without those sales of data, there would never have been a transaction with the consumer. And that data is consumer data. It's your data. So what you're calling a loan would never have occurred, at least not with the people and not with the terms that uh that constituted the transaction with those sales they make several dollars for each dollar transacted with the consumer so if it's called a loan and the loan is a hundred thousand dollars they're probably making between eight hundred thousand and a million two in revenue and about half that net income most of which is parked offshore in non-taxable accounts so here are the Garfield rules for what to do in this emergency situation if you've been making your payments and you can still make your payments then keep making your payments even if you believe every word of my analysis of these transactions Because chances are Congress and state legislatures are going to do what I predicted in 2006. They're going to pass legislation resetting the rules and retroactively ratify the illegal behavior of the investment bankers. Um, And that'll be true for everyone except those who contest in a timely manner. And most don't. Uh, 96% of enforcement actions go uncontested. Uh, Of the remaining 4%, half of those drop their, uh, their defense and lose the home. Of the remaining 2%, about half of those, 1%, Enter into some type of uh, agreement, forbearance, or modification. And of the remaining 1%, those are the people who really litigate it to the bitter end. And out of those, my perception on a review of thousands of cases, out of, out of those, about 65% actually win but the people who don't win are the people who are expecting and are only willing to litigate for a little while. Many states have already done this reset by passing legislation that only allows for money damages when someone ends up uh, foreclosing and forcing the sale of property as collateral for a loan that has long since been extinguished by uh, sales of data on behalf of creditors who have long since fled the scene of a crime. There is no creditor. But that's not gonna stop Congress and state legislatures from passing new legislation that puts a stamp of approval on what's occurred so far. Um, institutionalizing crime has occurred before, it's happening now, it will happen in the future. So if you've been making your payments and you're concerned that you're making payments to people who are not entitled to receive it, you're right, but keep making the payments if you don't want to stir up trouble um, so you don't put yourself in a worse position than you, than you are now. If you had been making payments and are just now stopping because of hardship created by unemployment or other causes directly or proximately caused by the COVID-19 pandemic or the response of your state to the COVID-19 pandemic, then you must apply for forbearance in the manner set forth by the so-called servicer, who I don't believe is a servicer, but you have to treat him as a servicer unless you want more trouble. That, by more trouble, I mean that you're gonna end up in extended litigation. Litigation that if you actually persist to the end, you'll probably win but it's extended, and not everybody has the resources, personal, financial, et cetera, to go through that process. So you're never gonna hear me that, from me that everybody should litigate, even though on a strictly objective uh, stance it would be great if they did because there would be a lot more people winning, and Things a lot more homeowners and and potentially in the future car owners who who win. Um, it's it's an arduous process that is not for everybody, and particularly in this time of the COVID-19 pandemic, it's caused a strain on all of society. Everybody knows that which is causing a strain on every individual. Everybody knows that. I think that a lot more people would benefit from seeing a an experienced and qualified mental health counselor than they might be thinking about. But it's not up to me to tell you to do that, but that's just my, my thought. Um Uh, understand that forbearance is not forgiveness. So just because they say you don't have to make a payment for the next month or two months or three months or four months, that doesn't mean they're going to forget about those payments. Eventually, you're going to have to be, you're going to be required to make those payments to debt collectors uh, who so far, except for situations where lawyers like me have appeared as counsel, always are recognized as authorized to enforce the obligation based upon legal presumptions arising from the assumed facial validity of documents presented to the court, but which were fabricated shortly before entering court. I know it all sounds like double talk. That's because it is double talk. We have to deal not just with what's right, but with what's happening. We have to deal with not just what the law is, but how the law is being applied or not applied. It's just a fact. So if you're making payments and you're just stopping now, there's a lot of pressure on the servicers to give, Agreements for forbearance. It doesn't mean that they'll give an agreement for a modification. Uh, in reality, any loan that is subject to claims of securitization um, is prevented from being legally modified because of agreements with, that exist up and down the line. Agreements which, if you really look into them, are unenforceable but that's another story. So if you have been fighting with companies who call themselves services for months or years before the COVID-19 crisis, then it is probably, but not definitely, pointless to ask for forbearance. You see, if you enter into any agreement with these thieves, then you're tacitly admitting that they are a servicer And if you're admitting that they are a servicer, you are, by simple extension of logic, admitting to the existence of a creditor who gave them the authority to act as a servicer. And if you admit to that, then you're admitting to the existence of the debt that is owned by a creditor who is being represented by an authorized servicer. In reality, all that is lies, which is why my blog is called Living Lives. But, and your choice, if you've been fighting with, unless they offer you forbearance anyway for reasons of just getting you to tacitly admit all these things, your choice is to either continue litigating with them uh, or or delaying, the impact of uh, uh, what will be an eventual foreclosure sale, or just walking away. And by the way, despite everything you've heard from me or read uh, in my thousands of articles, um, walking away is not a cowardly act. It can be a perfectly rational act given the circumstances you find yourself Unfortunately, our justice system and our government at this point is not set up to help the consumer. So it remains true that money is what talks. So if you have money and you're able to hire a lawyer and you're able to persist to the very end, then. I think you have a good chance of of winning. That's not a guarantee, by the way, but two-thirds is pretty good. But if you don't have the money, then if you don't have the money to go all the way through, then paying a lawyer for anything other than some delays uh, Maybe a, 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 a just throwing money away because if you're not going to pay him or her to fight the rest of the way, then there's very little point in having done so to begin with. So, so if you've been fighting with the companies for years. The very fact that you've been fighting with them for years is an indication that they could not come up with anything that was absolutely definitive where a judge would just throw you out of court. And
0: uh, uh,
1: the judges know this, but it is still up to you to, through discovery and um, uh, timely, proper objections to be able to successfully attack the premise, which is that they are uh, bringing this action as restitution for an unpaid debt, when in fact they're bringing the action for revenue. If you have great credit, and you have any thought of buying a new vehicle, now might be a good time, but later in the summer might be even better. practically giving away the cars, because by originating the loan account, even without interest, the dealer gets an incentive payment that has nothing to do with the sale or cost of the vehicle. By the way, that incentive payment should probably legally be disclosed and shared with the consumer, but that's a whole other story. And that's my story tonight. And remember, if you have questions or whatever, you can go to the blog and submit a registration form or free intake or whatever the various banners say. Uh, the information is, uh, is private, and I read every one of them, and I comment on every one of them. Uh, and we have the chat function also on the blog. So also, I'll take the time to say that if you're having trouble coping with the stress of all this, then I'm encouraging you, just because of some conversations I've had with some people, I'm encouraging you to contact a mental health professional. There's no harm in it, and it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And if you're having trouble finding one, I have a list. None of us has ever been through this before. None of us have any history to draw and to get us through this. We all need help. Good night and see you next week.
0: the opinions expressed on the neil garfield show are those of its hosts and should not be ascribed to any other persons or entities for more information about neil the blog or upcoming seminars please visit livinglies.me give us a call at 954-451-1230 or send an email to n-e-i-l-f-g-a-r-f-i-e-l-d at hotmail.com thank you for listening to the neil garfield show If the information has helped you, consider making a donation by visiting livinglies.me.